We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello there, this is Mark Corby for True Faith Podcast and it's another As It Was When It Was special. In fact, it's a very special because I'm joined by two ex-Newcastle United footballers. We will say the footballers, uh, especially you and mate. We're joined by uh, Newcastle United Jamie McLean, who played for Newcastle in the late 90s and early 2000s, as well as Owen Peterson, who unfortunately didn't make the grade of the first team, but did come through the ranks with uh, the likes of Jamie um, under four or five different managers. So we're doing, boys. Jamie, first of all, mate, how was lockdown treating you, mate? Not bad, mate. Not bad, mate. Uh, tough. I feel like I've got cabin fever at the minute, but, you know, everyone's safe and well, so that's, uh, that's the, the most important thing, but, yeah, it's tough. Are you, are you still playing football before we get to that part? Are you still active? Uh, funny enough, yeah, this season I've signed for over 40s. Uh, <laughs> so I, it's, no, it's good. It's, uh, it's, I'm taking over. We're obviously with the lockdown and uh, the football's obviously having stopped now, but yeah, signed for an over 40s team. Enjoying it. Good stuff. What about you, one mate? How's lockdown treating you, mate? Still active? Ah, uh, great, good, mate. Thank you. Um, County production, I think, instead of two players, Morgan's one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But yeah, similar to Jamie, you know, obviously it's uh, it's testing times, but you just got to keep cracking on, you know. Just hopefully there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, mate. Good stuff, mate. We're going to go back to the, the very start because obviously you were, um, you could see a part of Newcastle where it was a massive roller coaster right throughout the nineties. Um, starting with starting with you, um, Owen, because I believe um, sorry, no, starting with you, Jamie, because you you got on the books uh, Newcastle. Uh, was it around about nineteen ninety four? How how did that come about, mate? Was it a trial or were you, were you uh, touted? How how did it work? No, I signed for Newcastle as a young lad. I've got a twin brother. And we started uh, a very young age. It was one from School of Excellence, and ah, right, work with you. right. Uh, so that's how we did it. So we always about was uh, School of Excellence every week, and you know that's how that's how we got into it. And then we got offered contracts, mm-hmm. schoolboy IT. So that, that's. That's how we got So, so what would have happened in 1994? Was that because uh, the, the book I'm referring to, the, the Who's Who of Newcastle United, who I will uh, refer to a, a, few, a few times. It's the, the, the same 1994. That's when you, you. So I don't know what age you were there. You would have been what, uh, 14, 15? I think well, the first day, the schoolboy form. I think it's uh, you're saying that at the 14. Right. It's about 14. Uh, so you're saying two years, uh, two years school boys, and then I was two years YT after that. Spot on. Um, so you're 16th, you go straight in, yeah. You're 16th, you go straight into the, your full time apprenticeship, uh, which is 
Jamie. Was was other clubs look like you at the time, Jamie? Other clubs? Yeah, I think throughout. I think there was throughout growing up, we went to a number of clubs. Uh, you know, as the old days, because I've got a twin that who was the better, better player. Right. Okay. Uh, So moving on to you, own mate. Um, you, I believe, met well, sort of on the same sort of similar circumstances. Was it around about a year after for you, mate? About ninety-five. Yeah, similar situation, but um, Jamie's a school year older than me. So right. when I started my apprentice, Jamie was in his second year apprentice. Um, but similarly, you know, the, the, the setup that Jamie's talked about there. So it's, it's it's a lot different now than than it was sort of back then. Um, you know, schoolboy forms. I was actually in Middlesbrough School of Excellence when I was, I think, 12 or 13. Um, I was playing for South Tyneside Boys Club, Durham Schools, all that type of stuff. Um, and I think at the time, I had the chance to sign schoolboy forms with all, all three North East teams. So you had Middlesbrough, Newcastle and Sunderland. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, um, you know, Mark, I'm a, I'm a big Newcastle fan. I, me, my family are massive Newcastle fans, yeah. so it was pretty much an opener in terms of what, what Rudar went down, you know. So, uh-huh. um, but you remember, if you remember this, it's, it's schoolboys at the time, it was like a big sort of big song and dance, a big deal was made of it when you, when you sang, wasn't it? Keegan used to invite you in, they were yeah. and sang you on at a game and stuff like that. Um, which oh, I, uh, was, I, I mean, I, me- I remember when I actually, the game that, um, I don't know what he's doing is he invited your family and stuff like that. Um, I've got a story about that actually, which is uh, which is which is pretty good. So um, I remember the game that I I sang was Blackburn at home, and it was one one. It was when Shearer scored the penalty mark. I know that you're you, you've got a good memory of games and stuff like that. I don't you remember that one? I can't um, remember anything about you and me. Carry on. <laughs> Go on, mate. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Oh, when we first got promoted. Aye. Uh, Keegan introduced himself to my mum and dad and then um, you know, my brother says I hope you're, I hope you're not bored 
Happy days. You, you mentioned you mentioned Keegan there. Obviously, uh, he signed you up. And let, let's be honest. Over the, the short period of time, well, I'm saying short period of time. It's it, it, it's a long period of time when you look at the whole scale of it. But there was a hell of a lot of. Uh, you know, massive personalities and, and, and legends of the game um, around Newcastle at the time, and that, that was just the managers. Um, so, what, what, what were your first impressions of Kevin, uh, Jamie? For me, like one of stars, you know, he's a, he's a legend. Um, I think you know back then it was a, it was a big thing, and it was a similar scenario exactly what Owen went through. So, what we did with me and my brother, my family were invited over the game, signatures, borders, and all that. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think he was a very honest manager, if I'm being honest. But you know, I think his his, his way of uh, training was different to the managers I've had. But as a young lad, I just he, he made it enjoyable. Yeah. I think, you know, Will was there as well. I think you he, he was there as well. And I just uh, he was a different type of manager. Uh, but great. But I was young now when I was, and I wasn't. You know, I didn't have much time with with, with Keegan. But uh, the, the time I did, it was uh, it was an experience. Am I right in thinking, Jimmy? Because I know the, the year that I signed, the, the, the first year of my YT was the year that the reserves were scrapped. So did, did we have a reserve team in the, the season before, which would be the season that we lost lost the league, wouldn't it? Yeah. We you know we had a, we had the, the reserve team, which to be fair was it was it was well it was it was great. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of competition, but for some reason you just scrapped it. And I don't know if it was down to money or like the same was, but I don't know. It, it, it got, just got scrapped. I think was uh, I have a quote. Was it not something to do with um, they didn't want to play the game, the reserve games at St James? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stadium was involved or something like that, and I don't know. I don't it, know. It, just, something happened where they wouldn't. You just sort of said, "Well, actually, no, that's it. We're not going to have a have a reserve." You know. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, the there was the pitch at first. I don't remember the back end of the ninety three ninety four season. The pitch was getting just you know battered really. So you stopped the reserves. Uh, playing there I think they played it as you say Gates said or I can't remember exactly where but and then uh, finally I think it was just a case that he wanted to keep the uh, the, the first players as fit as possible and not risk them in reserve games you know so uh, it's obviously well, then as well the reserve the, the reserve games or the, the reserve teams or any of the games that you see there was a lot of first team players aye yeah. So that, that's why it was good for young lads because mm-hmm. you were playing with in the reserves with the third when it's different now or it was different when I was in the yeah. reserves, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You had the French players but not your big name players and some of the big name players were playing the reserve games and yeah. it's just great. So, so at the time, then who who was sort of you would have both had uh, you would have both been good boys for football. So who was your initial um, you know who did you look after? I think this is what's the age now, everything's changed. But they're the days that you know, I most enjoyed, that's where you got your banter from, that's where you learn your trade. I think now, and again, it's not being critical to the young lads now, but I think they get it very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's on the for them, they, they, they don't know what money they get now, but you know, you have to graft when you're like, you're not earning your money, and, you know, it, it toughens you up as well, do you not think? I mean, some of the banter and the tricks. And the, it's the old school approach, isn't it? I think now, um, and this is only from speaking to sort of friends of mine who have like um, kids at the academy and all that type of stuff. I think there's a there's a under set of under twenty three, so there's plenty of plenty of football. I think that you know when we were there, there was the, 
the year I started actually there was no reserve team you had the intermediate league but the problem is intermediate league particularly if you were a first year apprentice is that because Keegan scrapped the reserves you had the you had the young pros who were you know in the first year of the professional contracts who they, they might not necessarily be playing in the reserves but, so they'd have to play in the intermediate, yeah. intermediate team so immediately what you, what you were getting is you were getting like pretty much a block from, from it was really hard for a first year apprentice to actually play in the intermediate team because you are you're competing with, with players who are really good you know so mm-hmm. I mean it's different now I think that there's more games and stuff like that but Jamie's right I think you know you learn your trade and stuff like that it was very much old school the old, the old boot room and all that type of stuff but, but he's right you know there's a lot of characters that were made from, from the time like any apprenticeship you know if you, you, you kids who were in the, in the shipyards or whatever you know that's, that's where the banter is and stuff like that yeah. you know, it's no different really so, so at the time, then, was there any players who stood out? I know, I know, we may come to the professional side of it, but was was there any players who you thought he 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 made it? He should have made it, and he didn't. Did any names ring a bell? I think one, it's one for me. I think there's a couple. I think one for me is it's the scenario that Owen's just said. I mean, Alan Powell, he did make a career in the lower leagues. Um, you know, Grimsby, Gillingham, um, things like that. But, right. You know, I think he was in the when they scrapped the reserves, so it was the time when he was older than me, and, and he was the similar what we were seeing there first year. Pro, I think it was older. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think he might, have, he might have moved on. I don't think Alan Pelham was there when um, when I was there. I think that he was he not two years older than you. He might have been, yeah. I think he was. Uh, I think he, for me, he stood out. I mean, when he left. I was like, so, you know, what's the point of us being here? If, he, if he's not going to make it, right. you know, yeah, what's the point of us? Uh, well, I think things changed, you know what I mean? And obviously got the reserves, the, the reserves back and things like that. But, you know, when you, well, what stands out, see, was it, you know, he's still over me, but you had a, you know, the likes of Jamie Burton, uh, you know, he was a talent, a waste of a talent. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even his brother, David, was a good player as well. Uh, well, I think there was a few. Uh, there was a few good players. Mm-hmm. I think the Alan Pelham stood for me the most. Well, well, at the time, I just did a quick uh, recap before we come on. Um, before 95, 96 season, which was when Paul Brayson come through, the, well, briefly for the first team, the last player who got through from the ranks was Alan Thompson in 1991, mm-hmm. 92. So it goes to show, you know, I mean, Jim Smith and then... Say, sorry, one. Uh, yeah. say, man, Reserves. Um, you might get an answer to this. Actually, I, I don't know the answer. But did Keegan ever give a debut to someone who who broke through through the, through the youth system through Newcastle? Um, I think it was just Brayson, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was that was, a, that was a league cup game, wasn't it? Yeah. So you know, it was like a, I mean, I'm sure it was Bristol City on a on a Wednesday or whatever. So it was pretty much low play in terms of you know we're, we're flying high in the Premiership and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you know you you could argue it was less risks to, to to do that. But you know other other than Bruce, I don't think that it was. You know. But just, just going back more to answer your original question, what Jamie said, he's mentioned two players. Well, Alan Pound was a great player as well. Um, David was actually my best man. Um, mm-hmm. He was two years older than me, David, but he was a first-year pro when I was a, an apprentice. But his brother Jamie, who was my age, um, there wasn't anyone better around. Certainly for my age group, you know, Jamie, he, he had some well-documented problems that, um, fortunately, he managed to sort himself out. And he actually yeah. he made a career later in the game. He, he sort himself out, and he, I think, he ended up playing for Whitby in the um, conference or something like that. And they went on an FA Cup run, and he got signed for Chesterfield on the back of that. Um, right. Then he played for Hartlepool for, for Carlisle, but you know when you when you, when you talk about sort of talent, Jamie, he was like 
always, always remember this. My, my dad, who used to come and watch, um, obviously Jimmy was the same age group as me. He used to say, he used to say, he's like um, Bobby Charlton. He says that, that that's how he used to sort of compare him to. He had, he was fast. He had two good feet. He could head the ball. He was strong. Um, it was just a real shame that you know he never really fulfilled his talent. But mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly he, he, he sort of got on a lot further than a lot of players who are who are my age and, and sort of years above and years below. You know, so mm-hmm. you've got to give him credit in one respect. Yeah. He sort himself out and he, and he made it in the game. But his brother was a good player. Um, David was a good player. I think he might, might have been on the bench one game in a in a, in a European game. Um, Brayson was the obvious one. I think that. Uh, Everyone when I was there, other than Jamie, David Baharrell, um, I think that was the only two who Aaron Hughes, he was the other standout yeah. one. Aaron Hughes obviously had a great career with Newcastle. Um, but Brayson would have been another standout one for me. Brilliant, brilliant. What, what about um, Michael Carrick? Because obviously he was on the books. Was that around about the time you lads were at the club yeah. uh, starting out? He was younger. He was younger than Carrick was. Um, he's either one year, two year younger. Right. But, but actually, it's, it's an interesting point because you know at the time. Um, I think Jamie's age. Jamie, if I, if I remember correctly, here there was all of the all of the YTSs your age were, were local lads. They were all from the area, weren't they? Yes. The season after the shift change, there was only three of that were local lads. So there was only um, there's a couple of lads. Sorry, there's there's a couple of Irish lads, a Welsh lad. There's a couple from um, down south, um, a couple of Scottish lads as well. So I thought that was a bit, bit of an interesting transition. Actually, when you look back, you know I don't know what the strategy was behind it, but obviously Aaron Hughes was the one that that, that made it. He was in. In my age group, um, but it's just it, it's interesting where you know when you look back and think from one year where it was all localised to the next year where it was like 70-30 split, seventy wild of the area. You know, I don't know, I don't know if it was a case of large locally were looking at Newcastle at the time and thinking how am I ever going to get a chance if, if Keegan's going out and just buying everyone and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. always remember a story. I know I'm waffling on a little bit here, but I remember um, at the time there was a school teacher of mine who used to, he used to tell his son, "Look, don't don't sign for Newcastle." He was a Newcastle fan as well. You know, just like you, you, there's no reserve team, you're going to be blocked and all that type of stuff. And you know, as a as a daft black and white lad, I was. No, no one would tell us not to sign for Newcastle about yeah. the opportunity, you know. But yeah. it's just interesting because Carrick was obviously in that um, in that category. That was one that got away. I think the other one was Martin Taylor, who went. Who was my age? Who went? Uh, I don't even remember Burnham or Blackburn. I think that he, he had a good career. Yeah, but I don't. Uh, there might be some of the same age as you, Jamie. Lads that sort of got away and never signed for Newcastle, but but went to other teams, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Like you say, I think there was. I think there was a few players. Who I think, but you know, it's. Even when I was there, and it still happens now. I think, you know, I think people get 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 it knocked out of them. And I think it was more so now. Yeah, I think you know, similar thing happened to my brother. Uh, it got knocked out of him. I think I mentioned it earlier on as well. At, at the end of it, I think I fell out of love with the game. Um, I think as a young lad, like when you're you're a mad Geordie fan, you get in there and you like, oh, you know. What's this? You know, it's the you know you've won the lottery. Yeah. But then you then you start seeing things what are happening in the background, the politics that are going on, mm-hmm. and it's uh, fans don't see the real things what happen in yeah. those doors. You know, they only see what you know what happens on a Saturday. And, yeah. You know. But, it's different. Well, uh, well, this is this is why we're getting you on, you know, uh, for, for, you know, uh, reminiscing away, which is clearly doing, which is fantastic. But I mean, go, going back to sort of the '95, '96 season, obviously, uh, you know, I, I'm, as you know, I'm a massive Newcastle fan. We're all massive Newcastle fans. You were around the team. You were around the squad. You were, you, you know, you, you've seen it sort of developed to the point where we were ultimately going to win the win the league, um, but it fell apart unfortunately. But I mean. 
is there any sort of stories or player stories you can remember from sort of you know the likes of uh, Ginola Tino uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there will be but is there any what spring to mind where you just think I'm, I'm involved with professional football as I support this club and you know who was the biggest lunatic for example who, who was the ultimate professional <laughs> where do you start Saying that I love I love cleaning boots, but because I was such a sort of I was infatuated with Newcastle, you know, obviously from a young age, I, I, my earliest memory of going to games was like I always remember the um, the Gaza goal against Palace in the stadium, yeah. even though I was like even though I was dead young, um, but all seemed to merge together after that. And it wasn't really until like sort of 89, 90, 1991, you know, that I started to really understand. Um, and if we're talking about the season, I remember things that happened. You know what I mean? So I, I, yeah. I was. I was Newcastle daft and you know that, that support for me or how like infatuated I was with the club when I actually signed I, like I'll be first in because I knew that if I was first in I could get balls signed or shirts signed and stuff like that so, you know I mean like I love the whole sometimes a bit overwhelmed by and, and when I look back I think did I concentrate more on on the support side of stuff than actually thinking about like you know obviously trying to make us a player it's, it's, it's a difficult one but um you know, I think there's there's a load of characters at the time. I, I used to love. Um, I used to volunteer for match duty all the time. No one else used to like doing match duty. You know, the match duty was that you'd, you'd sort of you'd pick the kid up, you'd put the kid out, you'd give the kid man a hand, put the boots out, all that type of stuff. And I, I remember this. What it was the five nil game. It was the Man United game, which was the season after that we lost the league, wasn't it? It was. Um, mm-hmm. It was the the, the five nil game. Was the was it ninety was it ninety six ninety seven? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So ninety six ninety seven. Um, and I always remember this this is um, after the game so the changing rooms you had like the changing area it's, it's, it's a different set of what it is now and I only know that because I've, I've seen it when people have been going on the tours and stuff like that but at the back there's like a big communal bath area um, and I was like sort of picking the kit up and doing all, 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 the, all the sort of the little odd jobs and stuff like that and the changing room obviously was buzzing you would just be Man United 5-0 and, um, <laughs> and you know I was in the bath and he, and he pointed his out he says look go, go and get me cigarettes when you pop it I'll get you cigarettes in your pocket. He's like, hey, go, go, in, go in the dressing room. He described what it, um, his dress pants were, whatever. So I had to go in, get his cigarettes, brought them back in. He's sitting in the bath, by the way, at this, at this stage. Or a potion. Well, actually, the work, he didn't even get that stage. He, he, so I gave him the cigarettes, he got one out of the box, put it in his mouth, and obviously he didn't have a light. So he went, he went go, to the, go to the players' lounge and get his, uh, get his a light. So I'm standing there, and then at that moment, I noticed Keegan was standing right next to him. So I'm um, like a young 16, 17 year impressionable kid standing there um, looking at Janola and then I look at Keegan as if to say what should I do type of thing and Keegan just looked at me and we'll go to the players and get him a, get him a <laughs> I think that would be great I think you know that, that year I was so unbelievable players that it was big characters as well uh, mm-hmm. I think you know one of the cracker jacks I think this all know is Tino yeah. was, uh, was, uh, well I think because there was so many egos in, I think Keegan was such a good man management. You know, when you see players like like this story there, well, you know, I think when I first when I first met him, it was uh, it was his first game away game, and we were packing the white seats, packing the coach, the boots, and all that. And he's having, he's got he's having a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think it was one of them where Keegan, you know, because he was such a good player, Keegan would let him do it. And I think back then. Foreigners coming into the, uh, that was their culture yeah. and things like that. But I think David Baddy, you know, you know, on a night out Christmas too, the, the, the bus, you know, the team coach took us for a spin around the West End of Newcastle. It was that Baddy did. Crazy times, crazy, but there were some big crack characters in there, but I think it was a good mix, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's why, you know, 
when you talk about really, oh, characters, there were so many characters, Lee Clark, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, you know, Steve Harvey, they, they, they were all with it. But that was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was something happened every day when he went to the gym, it was such a laugh. Mm-hmm. It was a real joy. Who I thought was crap was, was, um, was Philippe Balbain, if, you, if you've yeah. been on some after dinner circuits and stuff like that, they, they always sort of tell a story like how he, he lived on the Viz, so he'd read the Viz and like obviously he'd copy all the phrases of um, of Sid the Sexist, yeah. that, that was his favourite character wasn't it, so, but he used to come in he used to talk like that, like, you know, he'd obviously sort of recite phrases from the Viz and stuff like that, but um, he, was, he, was just, he was mental, um, Jamie's right, Tino, I always remember Tino, I was on Match Duty again and Terry McDermott used to sort of entertain some old players like from, from sort of his days of playing and stuff like that and I always remember one time he had, he had Frankie Worthing in the tunnel mm-hmm. so um, and this was before the game and Tino's come back in and sort of just before the game obviously they'd be warming up and stuff like that and he, he shouted Terry Mack shouted Tino over and Tino come sort of walking over and uh, Terry Mack was like Tino, Tino this this guy legend, legend and um, Tino's like looking at him thinking well, it was this type of thing and I just remember Tino going no 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 Terry tonight Julie's because obviously he thought Terry Mack was just doing the legends there. <laughs> 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 no, he was uh, he was like absolutely brilliant what, what about uh, the professional side of it obviously we, we can talk all day about uh, some stories which are probably not not clean the air but what, what about the professional side of it obviously you you, you know the, the likes of Shearer goes before before you know he went to the very very top most expensive player in the world it, it one point um, what about the rest you know p- people who were maybe surprised at who were ul- the ultimate professional around the club you know I, I mean by in a training capacity you know kept themselves fit for me you know there was a couple what a born in Daddy Street Daddy Street mm-hmm. was you know he's a model pro uh, you know that when I made my debut and, you know he took his under my wing a bit took, his, took, took, took me under his wing uh, and he was great with all the young lads but I think Finn Lee Clark is another one that, yeah. you know he, Best person if you wanted to play kickball, you wanted to play club in your team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you always wanted that. Um, I don't know, there was a few, but for me, it was to watch sort of for me, it's like the Scary Speed Waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Lee Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pav was the model professional one, did you? Pav was fit as a lot, he used to look after himself. Who else was there? That was really. Easy. I mean, Shearer was well driven. Obviously, that's that's why he become the, the you know the great goal scorer in Premier League history. I guess. Yeah. He uh, had the drive. He had that that determination, the professionalism, all that type of stuff. But yeah, Pav pa was a standout. Um, Barton was a was a good pro. Um, I got the impression back he was the, the polar opposite. Even though he's a great great player, in my my opinion. I, I know he gets a lot of a lot of criticism into it. Well, not so much criticism, but you know people cite the fact that he. Um, took the shirt off Lee Clark the season that we lost the league and stuff like that I thought it was a great player but mm-hmm. to me Batty was the pole opposite of professional football he just didn't he, I don't think he actually liked the game um, and I, I think yeah, I've even heard other people say like in, you know in the dinner circuit and, and stuff like that that he wasn't um, he wasn't he wasn't bothered one bit you know he'd just come in do his training and that was it he'd, he'd go home he wouldn't stay for extra sessions or whatever you know so mm-hmm. like me Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, so going going back to the book I mentioned, the Ultimate Who's Who, it was released in 2014. It sort of chronicles sort of every single player who's wore the black and white shirt, or a first team uh, game. So, unfortunately, when you're not, you're not in it, mate. But no, no, you're, you're still needed, mate. But, but what I what I will say is, I don't know whether you've read it, Jamie, but the description of you, there's a sort of description of you. Now, I want I want your opinion first, own. Let me know if anything needs to be added or taken from this. And then, Jamie, you can, you can be modest or you can uh, say it's full of shit, mate. This is what they write. Not tall at five foot eight, 
but solidly built, he was a link man and was a tireless worker in the engine room of the field. Rudd Hullett liked his all-round capabilities and ability to get forward. Owen, what's your thoughts? I think, apart from the solidly built, he was the skinniest kid at the club. Um, but, but, you know, uh, in terms of the, the rest of it, absolutely. Um, it's interesting that I'm, I'm in touch with another lad who was Jamie's age, a lad called Barry Gibson. Um, I'm good friends with Barry, and we're, we're in Italy at the, the, the turn of the year, before the coronavirus, this was, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were having a few drinks and stuff like that and we're just talking like reminiscing about old stories and all that type of stuff and we got on to like you know players who made it and stuff like that and I think we summed it up really well where we said you know the signing of a good player and my dad always used to say this to me is that the signing of a good player is someone who never looks phased they, 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 they've always looked like they've got all the time in the world on the ball and I think with Jamie that, that was sort of Jamie's style like no matter where you pass the ball on the pitch you know, you, you could have three, four men around him, but he didn't look phased. He always looked comfortable, type of thing. So that, to me, that's what set Jamie apart from like the other players within that that sort of age group. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't surprised that Jamie made it. It's, it's to be honest with you, I thought that you know he was fit. He had an engine. Mm-hmm. He had a great touch. He could pass. Mm-hmm. Like I say, he was never ever phased. So you know, in terms of the description that's just been given there, like I say, apart from the solidly built. I think <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Is there anything you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Or is there anything you think's missing from it, mate? No, I think first, just touching on Owen there, I think, you know, me, you know, it's, 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 it's one of them, and it's, it's all about luck as well. Do you know, you know some, some people say it's not so good, it's all about opinions as well. Mm-hmm. I think, I think with me, I think when Rhodes, when I got me, me, me debut with Rhodes, uh, you know, one of the issues he had with me is he used to pull us in, see, you're running too much. Right. So I remember like, before my debut, before I played any games and won the road, I go out and do 50 sprints with a fitness coach, Paul Winsford. Mm-hmm. 50 sprints. Uh, but I think one of the things I learned from Rude, and everyone, I learned different things from different people, but Rude, it was more, you know, he, he, called his, you know, he used to call me the cheap Rolex. I'm like, what the hell is he on about a cheap Rolex? Like, right. You know, he says, in this how he described it, though, he's an expert. He says, you see, see that watch? He says, I sent him the watch. He says, I just want you sitting there and TikToking. That's all I want you to do. Just straight. He's put, the, the thing with him is, and again, this is the foreigners, and this is the, the mentality of foreign players and foreign teams and foreign countries is two yard passes just as good as a 30 yard pass. Yeah. That's one of the things for rule with me is, is that you just, it, it's always just easy, just nice two yard, five yard passes can make you just a look as better player than a 30, 40 yard pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the things I learned at an early age, and I think it's we're having a twinning grown up because that's all we did football. Uh, and I was, it was drilled into me and my brother when we were younger by my dad is want the ball, always yeah. want the ball, mm-hmm. no matter what, always want the ball. If you're having a bad game, always want the ball. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that was drilled in at a young, young age, and I think that. Uh, Sometimes when I played with the first team and the first team and you know when I, when I progressed, I think that was a, a lot of uh, you do me head just shut up, stop asking for the ball anymore. You're not getting it, mm-hmm. but it was there. Uh, I wanted it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but now I think it was uh, I don't know about box to box like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned Rude then. Obviously, he gave you a table, Jimmy. We'll, we'll come to that in a, in a moment. But uh, what, what about? Um, I'll come to you first, Jimmy. In regards to, you went from uh, Keegan. Um, to Kenny Daglish and obviously as a supporter at the time um, I think a lot of people sort of looked at it as you know possibly the man to take us and get that trophy that everyone craved for Keegan couldn't quite get it 
Well, you, you know, within, within 18 months or so, yes, he got to run FA Cup final. Yes, he got to win the Champions League with, albeit with Keegan's team. I look back as a supporter at his time as manager and I don't see it fondly uh, because ultimately he ripped apart uh, an excellent football side, in my opinion. Now, what about you? Because I'll go to you first, Jimmy. He come in and replacing Keegan was always going to be difficult. But what was it like around the, the club, the dressing room? Where, where, you know, we've lost Keegan, Dagley's come in. How, what was his approach like? How, what was he like as a man? Everything was a, it's a shock when that happened and uh, Dagley's came in. If, you know, I was upset the next day when that happened. Uh, I think Kenny Dagley's was all around young players. You know, a very but I think within within a space of three, four, five months, two, you know, two months, you saw players coming there, and there was a lot of you know, your your Russians, your John Barnes, yeah. you know, you had a lot of people coming, in, but as a young age, you know, there was just a board of players coming in from foreign as well. I mean, you were you were there then as well. Yeah. Uh, I just think it was having no not being the EU farm reserves and then just having a you know you could have had three reserve teams and then the bank of players that brought in right. went down it's just there but uh, it was a different different style uh, I didn't have too much to do with with, with, with all these shopping us uh, you know he, we had, well, he brought his you know he brought his team in and his squad around him and you know the coaches around him so I didn't really have too much I mean he was he was very young, you know, kid focused, wasn't he? Or he was like, you know, he wanted to bring development under the kids. Well, I think, I think that's one of the things that he did immediately reintroduce was the was the reserves yeah. straight away. You know, and what he appreciated is that, um, you know, the bigger picture would be that you have to have a progression route for for young players. And at the time, didn't cast unless we had that because you, you had it immediately that I talked about before the league and then the first team, so it was a massive gap. You know, so the, the other thing that. Um, I mean, I, I like that. Because I have, you know, I look from two two different angles here. So from a, from being involved as a youth player at the club, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, he, he knew everyone's name, and um, you know, yeah. sort of meal times and stuff like that. He was spot on. He talked, you know, everything. I'm not saying Keegan never done that, but he didn't take as much of a sort of vested interest as opposed to what what Daglish was doing. So um, there was a difference straight away. I think one of the things that well, two of the things that he, he introduced as well was um, at the time of training at Maiden Castle. And main castle was like a university complex, so remarkably you had like the likes of superstars of world football, like Janola, your Ferdinand, your your Beards, your Shearers, all, all them training in a in a in a centre. Um, then come half past twelve, all of the university students would come in and share the same change rooms and stuff like that. You know? So then these lads were thinking, what what the hell's going on type of thing? You yeah. know? So I mean, it's great for the for the students, but in terms of the first team, and that one of the things when Darkish came in, I always remember was that that's one of the things that changed straight away. You know, the, I think that there was a bit of a bit of a transition. I think that they got more secure and stuff like that where they couldn't do it. Um, whereas Keegan was like a little bit different. He was dead, dead open. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, it's not sort of criticising Daglish's style. I just think that he understood that these guys were like multi-millionaire footballers type of thing, you know, and obviously they needed to be protected a little bit. I think what you said as well, I think when Daglish coming in, it was like, oh, we could, you know, as a young lad, I thought, oh, there's a chance here. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a chance of just breaking in? So, no, I, I, I would say again, I like, I like them. I thought he was good. So, so the other thing as well is that um, Jim, I don't know if you remember this as well, but you know, under, under Keegan, even the youth setup, every, everything that we done, we do done, sorry, at the time was was mirrored. Um, so if the first team trains, we would train at the same time, obviously on a different different pitch or whatever. But you know, your, your train would be like ten till twelve or whatever. And that's it. You shower, you go home. Whereas when Daggish come in, then you just do a double session. So you do your, you do your morning and then you do your afternoon. So that was a bit of a culture shock as well for for everyone. I mean, I, I remember that the. the you know, being around the place in the first team, 
hardly anyone had a bad word to say against Stanley, you know what I mean? But when you look from a fan perspective, yeah. and what Jamie said there, you know, was it the case of John for the ball, who's on his room and the likes of Rush and Vaughan, some of his signings, but you had all the stuff going on with the PLC at the time and stuff like that, so you don't know, was, was he hindered, was there a few sort of constraints behind the scenes that, you know, he couldn't sort of, you know what I mean, his hands were tied or whatever, but, you know, I, I like I that straight away, I thought that he, he made time for everyone, um, an actual yeah. fact, uh, I always remember, for some reason, and I don't know why to this day, but I was chosen to train with the first team on Daglish's first ever uh, training session, and the media was packed, and I've got the VHS actually, where I'm on a few times, I do an awful tackle on Darren Peacock, actually, just said Darren Peacock's work, um, but, but you know, I don't know if that had anything to do with Daglish, but immediately I, I warned him, because the way that he'd sort of be a little bit different to the to these team guys, I mean, Jamie, you'll tell you from a, a different perspective, you know, from a, from a fit, well, actually, you warned Jamie, because you didn't, you didn't break through to the first team until, until, until Daglish went around the hole, wasn't it? So, okay. but I, I just thought it was a, it was a total contrast. You know, you had you had Keegan, who was a brilliant man manager, um, a motivator, free flowing football. It was we got to score more than you to Daglish, so it was like, well, you know, a bit more of a reserve style. He brought in fitness coaches as well. That's the other thing as well. Yeah. Like Keegan never had. You remember them two guys from Blackburn who used to, the, you know, they used to run the socks up. He used to tell you never got sold and all that little things like well, that. You know, like Keegan. <laughs> When Keane was there, it was a fucking weird on a Friday morning. We used to be shitting ourselves on a Thursday. Not that I'm a weird problem anyway, like, do you know what I mean? But if you'd had a good drink on a Thursday night, you'd lost a lot of weed on a Friday morning. That was a problem as well, do you know what I mean? So, so you mentioned it fantastic this like, I mean you, you mentioned there about Daglish I mean Jamie were you ever in Daglish's thoughts for a, for a debut or was it not until Rude came in? No, nah, I think it was it was I got a contract through Keegan uh, one of the pros and then obviously Daglish came in and uh, yeah, I got a pro for con- I think it was a couple of year contract off him but I wasn't in his plans right. I mean, at, at that point you know, uh-huh. I think he had uh, he just wanted to get the youth and everything started up. But I think, you know, when we're touching on some of the older players, I think the likes of John Barnes or, you know, they were they were a model of a role model of me, you know what I mean? I mean exactly. They, 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 they've trained the, the young lads as well in the reserves, mm-hmm. you know. So, no. Well, it was, uh, no, he was good. So, so Daglish is gone. Uh, I think he was uh, sacked two games into the 98. 99 season wasn't it? yeah he was two games in and uh, sorry the 97 98 and then uh, Rude Hullock came in I mean bloody hell at one point he was what the, the he was the most expensive player in the world he was a, a footballer of the year you know a legend in, in Holland uh, everyone had heard of him so what was it like Jamie when uh, when Rude came in totally different I mean you know I think it's, it's clear from the papers you know the, the relationship you had with, with uh, Sheeran uh, you know, some of the, the big name players, but his training was totally different. You know, mm-hmm. it was more on technical and mm-hmm. you know and, and things like that. I think, but for me, you know, I kind of knocked him. You know, he gave me a contract, but he, you know, he took a shine But like I was saying, you know, when Keegan, I wasn't in Dalglish's plans, but I, I can remember before Dalglish went, I, I, I was starting to get a little bit of a not nibble in the first but training with the first team and things right. like that. Uh-huh. Um, Well, so Daglish sort of laid the foundations, we can say, and then, uh, you know, it, it, was this around at the time, when, I mean, uh, without sounding too uh, harsh here, was this when your sort of dreams were shattered by Hullet, would you say, or was it Hullet who let you go? Just get to the point, Mark, was that the time you pedaled? <laughs> 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 I'm not sure, I'm not sure,
<laughs> I'm trying to be polite. For the first time, I got a bit of a run in the in the intermediate uh, team. Um, the reserves obviously really difficult to get into, but I had a really good run. And um, also, my Chris McMenemy, who's still there, he, Laurie McMenemy's son, he's one of the coaches, and he he took a, a bit of a liking to us. And um, I, I don't know if that's how the link where I was sort of, I was chosen to, to, to train on the first day of that. It's just um, you know his first day, but I got a bit, kind of bit of a run, and then towards the back end, I got a bit, bit of a well, I got a bad injury that kept me out of the game for a couple of years after that. Right. And, um, Daggish in fairness, you know, I, I was coming to the enemy white team. He gives a he gives an eight month um, pro contract, right? Just to see through that that time. I mean, it was difficult because I could never get over the injury. It was um, I had a bad thigh and hip injury, which I could never get over. Um, but you know, he, he was fantastic for me. But I was there for the beginning of Hullet's spell, right? And with, by then, we'd moved to the Riverside, so we weren't training at the it made Castle in Durham. It was the it was the cricket club. It was um, Chelsea Street. So ah, right. Durham played cricket. Uh huh. And. Um, so I got because I was injured and all the treatment was there. I got to see a lot of stuff, you know. And again, still, still being a fan of Newcastle, I used to love watching the first team train and all that type of stuff. But what, what stood out for me is that you know, technically, Hullet and his coaching was just superb. Um, you know, it was like at the time it was like you know the total football philosophy, all that sort of the Dutch way and what have you. And I always remember his his big um, his big philosophy was that you should be able to play anywhere. Is it the ball from the goalkeeper that is? But any any outfield player should be, be able to play for any in any position. Yeah. And, and what he what he cleverly done is that um, what I noticed is he got John Barnes on his side with that straight away. Jamie, if I, if I remember correctly, yeah, he started involved John Barnes in in the looking after the reserves, didn't he? And sort of like bringing some more players through. And John Barnes is obviously a well respected player at the time. Yeah. So. But um, I think I, I don't necessarily think that that backfired. But you know, in terms of the senior players, and it's well documented. Obviously, had these issues with with Shearer and stuff like that with with PS. Oh, actually, another another story. I remember watching training one day, and PS absolutely lifted Holland um, training in a in like an outside game, and he I sent him flying, and that was it for PS. I don't. I'd be very surprised if he played again after after. I think that, you know, he went to. I remember a pre-season. Fucking Holland, fucking legend, isn't he? So he's, he's coming a pre-season. I, I, I don't know, I think it was being a Holland in the pre-season. I was on fire. I was flying. I was on fire. Um, I was, you know, we the first team scoring a few goals in the pre-season. So anyway, we get to the store. I two of them, and I'm on the bench. Fucking hell. Holland's went white off time. He's went fucking white. Not good enough. So he says, right, he says to me, get stripped. You're coming on. I'm going, fucking hell. He says, and he's getting stripped. Fucking hell. Being pulled in the middle. He's having a go saying to get our module on you, right? His first touch of the ball, and it must have been 40 or 50, it was a 60 yard fucking thing with his left foot, and I just looked at him and went, fuck, there, that was wild. We, you know, that was, that way he always played, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, a player was someone, like, you know, you know, being a young lad, then you've got good bullet, you know what I mean? Uh. You know what I mean? That was like, it was severe, but. Yeah, they, they go and said it. I think his mindset was if you're a good player, good player, good player, you yeah. Play anyway. So, so before, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, it just it made us think of something there, you know, you know, and we talk about, you know, obviously under Keegan, I know we've moved on a little bit now with Holland, but just going back to the Keegan times, one of the things that I've got to mention, what I used to love, Jamie, can you remember, um, Keegan used to have one all the game sessions. Was it nine? Whatever one, whatever one played. So basically, the reserves played with 
the first team, the youth team, the physios, the coaches. But Keegan was massive into that, wasn't he? Every so, Friday. Uh, was it every Friday? I remember it was frequent. And what, what again? Okay. You know, it, to me it was like I won the lottery. I brought the because they used to put the teams on the on the board. So I used to sprint to the board to see whose team I was on. You know, you'd obviously there'd be a mixture between first team reserves and youth team. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can guarantee that you know you'd be on the same team as like a, a superstar basically. So um, I just thought those were great days. But in actual fact, you know, when you look back and think, well, that, that that is a football education in itself. You know, it's not, I know the reserve teams not there and stuff like that. But here you are playing with sort of seasons internationals. You know what I mean? It's like a completely different um, different thing. What you've been been sort of used to, but all of that stopped under Daglish. There was there wasn't apart from international duty when people away, there might have been the odd time. Um, but under Holland, I'm pretty sure that that all that stopped as well, Jamie, because it was like sort of first team centre wasn't he? he was pretty yeah he was good with the youth team, but you had to earn your stripes for you to train with the first team or whatever. You had to show progression. You had to show that you were you were well developed. You know. Absolutely. So, so was so was it the injury that no one made? Apologies, me. I should I should bloody know this. But was it the injury, or did Hullet just you know not not renew that contract? Or? I had no, no contact with Hullet. Right. The whole time I was there it was um, it was John Carver. Um, to be honest with you, because um, JC was starting to make a bit of a name for himself. It, it was you know a fantastic coach. Yeah. Um, particularly youth level, I think John was so well well thought of. I mean, when you look back with with John. Um, I know he gets a lot of stick about you know the when he said he's he was the best coach in the Premiership and all that type of stuff. I think you know again that was probably taken out of context, but he's probably renowned for that and yeah. he gets mocked a little bit. But on actual facts, his coaching methods and the way that he used to sort of man manage was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He was ahead of his time actually. Um, but it, my my deals with was with, with Carver really, so he was the one that sort of pulled us and said, look at. Um, you know, you obviously you struggled and all that type of stuff, and of course it was an upsetting day. You know, it's like it, it kind of breaks your heart when you've been a massive Newcastle fan. But at the time, I was 19, I was I was a young adult and stuff like that. And I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna have to think seriously. I can't just sort of harbour about and watch uh, watch the first team train every day and stuff like that. It's time when we want to do different stuff. I think when when I quickly talk about when when I remember when one first came and I, you know, you, you see the young lads coming on the air with Bologna and you're like, if one did stand up, you're like, no, no, I'm just saying it, you know what I mean? So we used to just trickle tell you about Gibson and this. I remember one, I was like, fucking, I need to go play him, like, you know, you're going to go past that and go on. I think the only thing I can remember you, and I know I'll take the, the, the mix, was it was, it was your blisters pre-season, oh, every good. fucking year. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, you know, he was kind to you and you said, Well he's a good passer but he had fucking blisters. Is that is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. We mentioned before about um, Alan Thompson, then Paul Brayson, then obviously Aaron Hughes come through under uh, under Daglish, wasn't it? So, but ninety eight, ninety nine season, obviously Steve Harper made his debut, um, and David Baharrell did as well. But um, you made your debut as you mentioned before, Spurs at home. Um, can you remember much about you know the build up to it when you realised you were picked? Because <laughs> it was live on Sky as well, wasn't it? Listen, people don't know me, you know what I'm saying? I was just a jack of the lads, you know what I mean? I like a laugh, I like carry on, do you know what I mean? I was one of them, you know, local lads, just love to play football. Yeah. So, at that point before we did it, I was, uh, I was in, obviously in the first team training with them, had a good pre-season, blah, blah, blah. So what the, 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 what the practice was, or the process was that, it used to get in the, you know, every manager was different, but Hull used to get in and used to, over the charts, an hour before the game or an hour and a half, 
you know, speak, you know, can chuck, you know, mess an order in the changing rooms, right? You know, you're not going to be able to, because you're not being in the field with the squads. Uh, and then the, the, everyone just started looking at us, like, because he's obviously pulled it back, and I've been laughing and carrying on, like, and then all of a sudden, like, everyone's looking at me. Then I saw my name on the board, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought about shit. Like, everyone was laughing, so like rude was because I was I wasn't really listening, I was talking, so then the, the gaffer at the time just said two open answers of what it's some extra toilet roll, Jimmy, because you're shitting yourself. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was I think I was nervous. Um, and I, I remember that all that was going on, I, I didn't realise it was happening at the time, but Tony Towards, uh, the club were great. I mean the Rabbi Mum and Dad, you got an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, they looked after, they put them in a suite and everything, do you know what I mean? So they had Fantastic. Them, I didn't know this at the time. Full, full shabang. So it was on here. Uh, I remember it was on Sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember getting done, and uh, at this point, I'm like, you know, you're getting on in here. You know, bro, it's, you, you, you know, even the smell on the pitch, you can smell a hamburger as the, the bomb. <laughs> so I was waiting, and I lined up, and I got up, and I, I just remember, I always remember I just walked around. Before the kick off, I was just like, fucking hell, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Uh, and then, you know, people ask us all the time, and all the players have said, it, when you're on the pitch, you just totally forget. Yeah. The crowd's there. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just your adrenaline. Yeah. Well, uh, I think after my debut, and, you know, people always ask us, is it just my life changed from that, from the minute. You know, that I got booked, I got a book boy. <laughs> you know, was it Owen? Was it Owen? Brilliant, mate. So, obviously, it was live on Sky. I mean, Christ, if you're going to make a debut in front of 51,000 supporters live on the telly, you, you, you don't hold back there, mate. So how, how did your game go? So obviously at the time, I mean, um, you know, as I say, you give Baharol a chance, yourself, uh, Stevie Harper. Steve Harper was, it was a bit of a, a shock. He was he was given the, the FA Cup final spot, wasn't he? Was there ever a chance that you could have made the, the final team or the squad or? Where's, what's that? Sorry, For the FA Cup final, 99, because it was a couple of weeks later. Who's in the squad? Who's in the squad? Yeah. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be Is there any truth in um, over the years? I've heard a story that it was a bit of a bust up at half time between Hullet and Dietmar Haman, hence him getting substituted. Were, were, were you privy to that or is that just bullshit? Well, I, 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 I,
Right. Right. So at that time, could, would you say with Hoddard having his first full season there, could you could you see that there was tension between him and certain players at that point? Yeah, like I said, the flight to start off, I thought it was wasn't there was you couldn't see any cracks, but you know, the gradually you looked on and near the end of the scene you could start to see the cracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you hear things and you know, you, you know, I was privy to hear conversations with certain certain players, you know, uh, some you know, big senior players with a gaffer at the time rule and around around some big name players coming in. Yes. Uh, but Rowe didn't want that and Rowe wanted to bring his own players in mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to give you an example you know of course I'm not going to I'm not going to quote who, who the conversation was with but you know it was around to, you read between the lines Tim Flowers was the next team player one of the big, big players at Newcastle right uh, and he was going to he was he was apparently he was available to come in uh, and Rowe went no got John Carlson <laughs> so then there you can see those and then and again you know you know the reason that you know it's privy to conversations, you're you privy to conversations and you hear things, you know what I mean? But um I was privy with few conversations like, well, that well that's just an example. So yeah. I think those some some big name players that could have came to Newcastle in no time. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the likes of Sheila could have influenced that as well. I was, I, I was, yeah, I was going to say at this point, would you would you say that perhaps Shira wanted to be the uh, the alpha male around the club, or was that because there is? No, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think everyone uh, that came across. I think you know everyone's got their uh, opinion on that. I think I think Al just wanted to win. Mm-hmm. He's a winner, you know. He wanted, he's, he's black and white. He's like, you know what I mean? He's black and white through and through. You know, like myself. Well, I think he's a winner. Yeah. Well, he's come from from it. He's, he's at the club. He's signing big money. He's, you know, he's been there. And, uh, I think you know the, the talk about you know, the Roy Keynes. You know, he, he, he expected things. He's hard. Do you know mm. what I mean? He expected a standard. Yeah. You know, the, the players that were brought in, and let's be honest, weren't at the standard and no. the Castle standard. Well, we're, we're, not, sorry, Owen. He he's influential, wasn't he? With. Um, even the Daglish, I think that's you know I wouldn't be surprised if he if Shiro was consulted about Daglish coming in as manager because obviously he had the Blackburn um, you know he spoke very hard I don't know that by the way that's just sort of you know I'm surmising um, you know but in terms of being influential massively I, I think Shiro you know in terms of I don't want to use this as an analogy you know when they say like um, there'll never be a player big, big, you can never have a player bigger than a club yeah I think the nearest you'll ever get to that would be would be Shiro from Newcastle in mm-hmm. terms of that and you know you could some people say, well, he's superstar status, he was, um, you know, he's the best centre forward in the world and stuff like that, so that maybe that come with the territory a little bit, you know, but um, I always think back to the, to the situation with um, Ginola, so she was massively sort of influential in the, in the sort of, the downturn, downturn of, of, of Ginola's performances, wasn't he, you know, it's like, I, I think it's, it's well documented, I think he's, he's even said it himself, where when he signed, he expected sort of balls to be delivered into the box and just wasn't happening, so he, he, you know, he, he tore shreds off him at half-time or whatever, um, and that was under Daglish, you know, and I think, but am I right in thinking that Daglish sold, um, sold Ginola around, Mark? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, so, that, you know, there, there's, a, there's an impact there, but I don't know, I mean, obviously I've gone by by the time that Hullet was there, but was there anything, Jamie, around about that time, do you think, where maybe that sort of was, was, was as apparent as what happened under, under Daglish with, um, with Ginola? 
Uh, I think there's a lot of frustration, like I said, he's a winner and he's, you know, there was a lot of players that Hullock did bring in. Um, there was a lot of things happening at the club that, um, you know, those players brought on there that weren't good enough. Yeah. Like I said, you know, if you've got people like Shearer and your big name players and, and your big name players are going, Shearer's there. And, you know, if you've got Shearer, he attracts players, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He attracts players. Uh, so I think there was a bit of that, and I think you know it was around frustration. And I didn't, you know, I think all the way years, I think he speaks his mind. He's a, he's a local majority lad, says how it is. Well, I mean, um, with Hullet having these, uh, let's call them dressing room spats. I mean, Rob Lee was not even given a bloody squad number. Um, you know, you know, without sounding any disrespectful, this weren't your favour, Jamie, because obviously at the start of the the following season, you, you win the first team, you you win the midfield, please. Was there a story behind that, Jamie? I'm putting you on the spot, mate, but was there a story behind why uh, Rob Lee was banished to the, the, the juniors? I mean, back to that, the start, that had a terrible start, but you, you win the team, you, you we played uh, Wimbledon, we drew threes each, you, you made your first appearance that season, Jamie, and then, and then a couple of days later, <laughs> you mentioned Shearer, um, he picked Paul Robinson, who uh, I've had the pleasure of going on the drink, um, I think it was around about two months before he signed for Newcastle. But you didn't buy your drink. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some reason, he loved Perno and Black, but uh, but yeah, so, so Paul Robinson's up front, we're playing Sunderland at home, he hasn't picked uh, Shearer, uh, or Duncan Ferguson. And be all in midfield. What's what's your what's your what, you know? What, we were, we were, I'll tell you exactly in the morning that you know we were at Durham. It was this Chester Street training, and then you know came big game like Sunderland, and then set the team out. Always going to start eleven, and then you know he's picking you know Shearer not playing, Dunk not playing, Robbo's playing. You know, and, and you're just thinking, what's happening? Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? I think everyone, I think everyone was shocked. I think you know that was just the, the shock. What's happening? Yeah, like then we got the game, uh, and again, I think we, are, I think we actually started off all right. We did, yeah. yeah. We did very well. Went in front. We, we, we scored first. Then we won another. Even Dyer. We did Dyer. Yeah. Uh, 
So, so, well, after that, I mean, he was gone. Uh, the the rumour has it that he, he walked and didn't take any, any money, didn't want his contract paid off, so fair play if there's any truth in that. And then Bobby Robson come in, so Christ, we went from Keegan, Daglish, Hullitz, and now Bobby Robson. I mean, what, what was the initial impact he had? Massive. Yeah. I, uh, you've, got, you've got a crew that's in turmoil. You've got, you know, your big players not happy. You know, everything's happening. It, 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 was, it was a turmoil. There was only one way... There was no, they were, were getting relegated, absolutely no shadow of a doubt. Then Bobby Robson came in, and again, his man management is absolutely, or you know, he brought something to the table that was a bit like a people mental awesome there because Bobby Robson's obviously worked abroad and things like that. So he introduced mornings, afternoons. He did as a team. He did everything as a team. Mm-hmm. He didn't leave the table until Bobby Robson finished his book. Right. So he would stretch it out. You know what I mean? So he, he was old school. He used to come out and say, "Look, I earned on all this money. You know, you fucking earned this money. You know, if I fucking say stay, you fucking stay. If I had five o'clock, you fucking stay." But that's the type of bro. Is that? I think you know. He, he, he wins over, he's just got this aura. Mm-hmm. Even his team talks. I mean, I remember he pulled a sheet back, he got a fuck with Gary Sweet, called him Gary Sheedy. This whole fucking team was off there. What the hell was happening? Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? But he was, don't feel safe, but it was just great, I think. But he bought a lot of, he bought calm. I think he did, you know, he came in and knew those issues. He, he, he flattened them issues out mm-hmm. straight. Which the first thing he did, probably get back in here or something. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? He just grouped, regrouped everyone together. I think he was very honest with uh, did, did you feel did you feel sort of disappointed Jamie that you were sort of I mean initially you weren't dropped you were still a sub you came on and went with Chef Wedding at nil but Rob Lee was coming back were you disappointed or did you understand you were still only 20 year old um, I, 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 listen, I understood I, I knew obviously the situation and I, the, 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 you know Rob, Rob Lee's a legend you know what I mean it was uh, it was great but you know Bobby Robson kept me kept me in there do you know what I mean you know I remember he used to put me on, he still laughed at me, you know, he laughed at me, but, you know, back then, he, he, a lot of the main contract was all around incentive as well, a lot of the young lads was around incentive, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you, you know, you get these super duper bonuses for being in the squad, then on, on, on Spain, so many things, put your foot over the, foot over the white line, you get a neat bigger bonus, so, you know, he used to fuck, he used to laugh at me, he used to laugh at me, because two minutes ago, he used to fucking put us on. <laughs> Come on, son. Evil bonus, so there was things like that. But he used to look at me like the father figure that everyone says it about. But like I said, you know, I remember there was a time uh, I think I came on, I might have been the Sheffield game, and it was forward, and I think we only had one game in the last 20 minutes, whatever the score was, I mm-hmm. think about five or six, and I'll be like, fucking hell, son, 
So you got you got away with that one, eh? I just, 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 I just,
<laughs> so, so, go on, sorry, when... I was just going to say this, so, so, I mean, obviously, I think you played 14 or 15 times, didn't you? Um, first team games from Newcastle, but were the majority of them under Hullet, or what... Robson. My memory, I mean, my memory isn't as good as Mark's, you know, I kind of... We're going to come to that, Owen, we're going to come to that. <laughs> I think I got a good chunk under the book, Robson. You did, mate, you did. I was going to say, uh, just before we move on to, because uh, obviously at that point you bought, uh, bought in uh, Kevin Gallagher as well, who played sort of a midfield role. You know, you said you were disappointed, but you understood Rob Lee was back. Um, but he also signed uh, a Brazilian called Fumaca. <laughs> what was he all about? <laughs> I just thought I'd best drop him in because Robson, for all his plaudits, he did sign some. Uh, there was a few uh, suspect signings, but never mind. But going back to what Owen mentioned there about your most appearances, as you say, it was under uh, Bobby. Um, primarily, it was again through. Was it through injury or was it? Did you, you know, state your claim because it was sort of the turn of the year in two thousand and two. Um, so you had been out the picture for a while, but you, you had a good run of about six off the belt. So, uh, 
I was going to say because you, you not only played, but you know, I'm, in fact, I will put it down to you. Let's put it down to you, G. Let's freeze you up a bit. Yeah, you come in against Peter Brown, you scored. Yeah. So you, you managed to score for Newcastle, fantastic. We beat Spurs, as you see, you got man the match. We beat Bolton 3 2 at home, we beat Southampton 3 1 at home. Uh, we beat Man City in the Cup. You played you played uh, in that game. Right? In in that game against Stars. Yeah, and Arsenal was a draw. You and uh, wore Clarence Acuna in the middle of the park. You know, we had speed was out. Genus was. Yeah. Who was the manager then, Jamie? Sorry? Bobby Robson. You 
It's um, educational for me listening to that because it's, qu- it's quite worrying to think that that's, that's the way you were trapped, and especially someone like Robbie Elliott, who was very well thought of up here, you know, in two spells at the club. Um, yeah, I remember going back pre season, and John, you know, Tony told John Corbett standing at the main entrance, and uh, you know, lads come on here, yeah, and I'm going, what are you changing? Yeah, this is a new change from now. So, you know, but, uh, it was like that, you know, you just mentioned Robbie Elliott, Robbie Elliott was a, you know, a bigger, bigger name than myself. Yeah. 
it was a tough day. Tough. But you ended up at uh, you ended up at Carlisle for a bit, didn't you? I did. I think that obviously the biggest mistake that's nothing against Carlisle. Right. Um, I think you know from when you're playing at a level, but you know you're playing with players, you know like you know, obviously Laurels, you know all of them, and the, the type of players you've had, it's you drop it down goal to to the bottom tier. Uh, I found it, and I'm you know I'm very honest, I found it very difficult, very difficult to throw a different uh, pace of the game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in your face, things like that. I think I remember, you know, there was a few clubs that were interested in the Forest this time, but at the time uh, my missus was pregnant when we first tried. Uh, I just wanted to do it at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, so then he decided to, to go to a new calling, trying to get us on loan previously that season before I left. Spoke uh, the civil manager. Anyway, then the deal got the last minute pre season went and uh, got pulled off the deal. So I remember speaking to the Rangers on the head to golf course, and the reagency, and we're going to have to turn this head right and down, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, I think it was then I thought myself, you know, I was, I, at that point I'd lost a lot of the game, I didn't even want to play anymore. Do you know what I mean? Right. I thought, do it because of the shake of it. Mm-hmm. So I got my head right, and I thought, I think, I think and after that call, I thought, you know, this is happening again. I just, you know, you know he's running his back, to be fair, you know. He says, you know, yeah, yeah, the audacity, the bollocks, the ringers, and have, have the conversation with us. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's fine. But I went in and was, you know, and he was honest with me, you know, after the first you know, two months, he says, you know, you're not the type the type player, I need a box to box. Yeah. And you're, you're, a, you're a player. Yeah. He says, you know, I don't want that, I just need a box to box. So I left after six, six, well, four, six after that Christmas, which is a funny story as well. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> Can I just quote on this? And, 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 and I hope someone puts this. Simo Carlisle did not release me. This is the funniest thing that I've ever heard. Simo asked no, us, "When it fucked me, definitely Jeff and fuck you, I'm weird. Do you know what I mean? I'm off. Do you know what I mean? What does mean? I said, then come on, flip up. Not, I'm not going any hospital to around Christmas too. I said, trap it. I'm off. Please. For, for you know, for a wake up just to piss him off, I fucking, I, I got posted, the, 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 the kit man, he, he knew people who drove coaches, I said, give us a fucking 50-60 doubles, he went, oh, what, fucking get me a 50-60 doubles, instead of a taxi, uh, I'm fucking going, oh, I'm going to have a 50-60 doubles, pull up, say the car, like the lads, like, no, Brilliant. You said you, you said you fell out of love with the game, oh, Jimmy. But you know you, you kept playing. You went in. You had a couple of trials here. You you went abroad for a bit, didn't you? You tried to look abroad. I did Thailand. Uh, I got off at Thailand as well. It was uh, in Thailand. Uh, again, I was just trying to get back in. I mean, the, the money was was you know the, my, my wife now was like, well, well, look, we're still getting contract. It's uh, we're going to be going here. Like, yeah. I mean, and I, I just thought, nah, it's not right. It wasn't right for us. Uh, I, I think it was because uh, I knew deep down I'd, I'd lost the love I wanted to get back into it I wanted to get back into loving it you know what I mean I wanted to be bring around people again I think the banter you know I miss the banter uh, and, I, and again I know I wouldn't be what I teach but some of the best times in the football uh, 
Final club, I'm right. Th- uh, thinking your final club was Heaven, Heaven Town. Was I? Heaven, because you were there for a good few years. Yeah, it was like I say, it was a good crack. Uh, I think we left, uh, the, we got them from water, right? It was good, we had a good FA Cup one as well. Mm-hmm. Good, no, good set of lads, good, good background staff there. Commit, uh, you know, the committee, you know, committed the boat was great. Well, when I first came out, uh, I went to Kidderminster again, I went to Shrewsbury. Then I went to, I thought, oh, that's it, scrapping it up, that's not hanging up, this is not, I'm not doing it. But then I get a phone call from Kidderman staff and Mark Yates, you know, look, you know, seeing you, you know, down Bristol, when you played for Bristol City in a game, what do you say? This is what plans, deep storage, you know, storage used to play in the centre before, he's signing, so, me, such, obviously got to go obviously the big signings for Kinnaman site and also when anyway, we went down site now I thought what the hell I don't hear it I'm not going to hear it I'm not going to hear it it's actually hear it so I mean to go down there the gaffer's like big I'm being such a quite big money you know I'm a player I'm so the first few games now I thought I just need to get back home so the gaffer's obviously followed the papers after the gaffer it's not for me I've got it off no 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 so I had a bit of a fall out the minute yeah Right to set half, you know, you had to stop making this train on the own, do you know what I mean? Because I was a weak guy. I just wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And I spent the other young kid at the time, I, you know, I was got a, got a, got a house down there. I was like, you know, I, need, I haven't seen the kid for over a month. So anyway, in the missus, so anyway, I went to home and the work got beat one weekend. So Neil, assistant, so I was fucking out Jane away. He says, I'm on my way home. I've not been home for a month. Fuck them. I says, no, you need dinner in the morning. I says, I think I'm fucking running around the fucking Sunday with a picture of Sunday League football players. Do you need to look at twat? I says, I know I'm going to see any family. I went to Next year, he made a fellow with a couple of weeks. PFD were involved. Made a strain of you on it. Just got on with it. Uh, so then, second half, Christ. Big second half. Just gives a heads up. You went, look, Elf had been on the phone. Because the manager knew Christ. He says, look, they're going to come in. They want you on loan. Gaff has agreed and everything. One job to get me heads up. So I thought myself, like, oh, I'm going to piss them off, you know, like, that's, where I, that's the way I am. So I'm coming in, I was kneeling in the morning, he's never talked us for two weeks, but he'd come in, and I knew it was coming, just as much as a uh, telephone on the phone. I went, all right, now, I says, oh, they're looking for a new chairman, like, you know, you know, telephone had been inquiring about, I went, all right, they're looking for a new chairman. I was like, I'm going to the tears when I knocked this up, but that was, again, that's, that was it, part of the card. Well, that was sort of mm-hmm. Aye. So, so just going back there, you, you, it sounds to me as if uh, you were definitely a character around the dressing room and on the pitch. But I mean, tell us, tell us a story. There's uh, nufc.com. I don't know whether you ever log on to that. Um, they've got sort of day, like every day to day in history. They tell you the games, first team, reserve games, anything of note. And one what stuck out to me is there's a story of a reserve game, and apparently you got sent off. And uh, the name that you give to the referee. Do you want to talk us through that one? <laughs> no, so there is. I think it was just one I brought on the first year as well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I was a little lad. Used to go to school in Bedlam. 
we were playing Ben and Terry's in the senior cup. Um, I remember Tommy Craig saying, Look, do you fancy run out? I was like, I oh, definitely like get us involved, you know what I mean? So we were playing. Anyway, you know, when you play the senior cup games, Ben and Terry were big then at the time. Uh, got some good players there as well. Anyway, they, they, they were winning 2 0 the term or so. It was only over five, ten minutes left. The referee gave it back. He said, What's wrong that game? I knew the referee. Thomas. You know what I mean? Playing the first team, he knew it was. He's ref as a load of times, he knew it was. And he's calling us by my first name. Yeah. And I went over and he's someone's been attacked and I was like, I can't help it. I went, man, do you know what I mean? You know, just chill out, get that phone anyway. So, Dean Kidd, who played for Bedlam that time, and he was there, he'd tell you. Uh, so, the rest of me, obviously, he's watching him. I was saying, fuck off. I said, you've just, I said, you're winding me up. He says, watching him. I says, you've been fucking talking. He says, you know me now. He says, listen, so what's your name? Uh, he says, are you fucking going? The margin. I went, fuck off. He went, I'm telling you, that's chance, what's your name? I went, Santa Claus. That was it, fucking red. Right. Oh, that's what I'm doing. He's going to get off and I'm sitting there, I'm getting some stick now. But then, uh, <laughs> the older we can sleep goodbye. So I get to the, the changing rooms, Tommy Craig's fucking forward. We've just been booked to him. Right. He wants to like French players, first team players in this game. He comes in, so Tommy Craig stands the door. Yeah, yeah, cunt. <laughs> he says, Wait, what the fucking hell is what's happening? Because obviously the referee told him what had happened. Right. So, uh, so everyone had, some other players didn't know what was happening. So I'm sitting there and all, we're all like, I'm thinking, fuck, he's going off with me. What happened? I said, Oh, just give me a name. He says, What fucking name did he give me? I said, Sam, fucking Santa Claus. Fucking hell, the lads. He was going to throw things down. I remember the guy that pulled his next day. I mean, it was on Sky Sports and everything by George Best's their march against his uh, son against his march and all that's not. But I was Bobby Robson for this next game. He was laughing about what we train at St. James's Park and he said, uh, Come here, son. I thought, Fuck, I'm like, Oh, shit, yeah. He went, Fucking hell, son. What happened last night? And I said, Oh, it's not bad. Just keep the moment. I said, I'm talking to him. What happened? Fucking hell. They're carrying a son. He says, But that's two weeks later, son. I went, Fucking hell, Gaffa. I said, I couldn't afford that. But, Fucking know what you're on, son. I'll be fucking three in each place. Come on, fuck off, get out of here. I've got five flights, you know what I mean? And I was there. Uh, lessons learned for, I think, for us. I would go, I don't know who that. Brilliant. I mean, Owen, just to sort of uh, get your input here, mate. Were, were you were you as probably as disappointed to hear that Jamie, you know, it ended as sourly as it did? You know, he fell out of love with the game. He was trapped badly at Newcastle. How, how do you feel as a mate? Oh, sorry, come back on. I just nipped out of the ice cream man there, Mark. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, to me, it was, it was frustrating because from the outside looking in. Um, obviously, you know, you wanted Jamie to do well. Um, I know it was the same with David Baharrell as well, who was the, and obviously Aaron Hughes, who, you know, arguably is one of Newcastle's most underrated players. You yeah. know? So, naturally, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're the envious of, of lads who made it. You know, I, I wasn't actually. Um, particularly for local lads, I remember I remember both the debuts, and actually Jamie's against Tottenham. And I think Lloyd then made his, or David Baharrell, sorry, made his debut. Yeah. Was it Wimbledon or um, Everton? Sorry, Everton was, wasn't it? So, um, oh, fuck, you may be right. We may have been Wimbledon. No, it was at Everton. Oh, he definitely played against Wimbledon. I know that. I don't know if he's his debut or his next game. But um, but I, I mean, it was just frustrating because, you know, obviously I was still in touch with, with Jamie through through Diddy Bird. Jamie was going out with uh, David's sister at the time. Um, we used to hold it together and all that type of stuff, you know. So it was kind of, kind of frustrating. Um, I 
I just think, you know, obviously, it's the first time I've heard some of the stuff that Jamie's sort of been through there, which is yeah. news to me, you know, but it must have been really frustrating, the, the, the fact that you've got yourself to a certain level, you think that you've made it in the game to a certain level, and all of a sudden, it's sort of, the rug's being sort of pulled from underneath your feet, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, but I just, just, just a level of frustration, really, because I, I knew how good of a player Jamie was, it was like, you know, once he broke through in the first team, I thought that was it, I thought that was going to be like a, a permanent fixture, that he'd be there, like, you know, another another five, five, ten years, really, so, um, but yeah, just, just just overall feeling just a little bit of frustration, you know, I and mean, I can kind of see his point now where, where he's coming from, because it's almost like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, mm-hmm. you know, you're on a good contract, um, you know, I'm not saying it in terms of used to a sort of lifestyle of um, earning the money that you're earning, but at the end of the day, it's like anyone, any walk of life, if you're earning a certain, certain amount of money, um, are you going to necessarily take a reduction to, to do something else? You know, probably not. Um, but yeah, overall frustrating. But, you know, let, let's not forget, I think, when you look back, to, to make it in Newcastle under the time that he did, when you, do, you know, we'll go back at the beginning of the of the telephone call, we're talking about it was practically impossible to make it under Keegan. Yeah. That leads a little bit of a transition there. But, but I, don't, I don't even think that um, that leads give anyone a, any, anyone a debut. I might be wrong, by the way, but... Just, that's just Aaron Hughes? So there's, there's just one person, you know. So and you know, obviously after that bullet, yeah, a bit of a different mindset. You start to give you the you the chance, but to make it and, and play for Newcastle, you know, it's, it's to me personally, you know, I've talked about being a fan and stuff like that. But you know, what I would say is Jamie's lived the dream to an extent, you know. So well, 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 that, yeah, I mean, I think you know one of the things that you know, and this, this isn't taking anyone off anyone who gets a debut, you know, I, you know, I love it, you know, especially for local as well. Uh, but I think one of the things what the era when I was there. I mean, like what you've said, some big name players, do you know what I mean? And sometimes I look back and I don't realise, you know, uh, the, the era I was in, some, some, some good players there. So when I look at some kids and some young lads, and again, it's not knocking them, you know, it's not their fault, but sometimes, you know, when, when Newcastle were relegated, you know, young lads were getting debuts left, right, and centre, do you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, we, Absolutely fantastic. Quinn, how well do you know Jamie then, Owen? Because he had three squad numbers at Newcastle, mate. What were they? <laughs> um, is this one even when he was a YT? No, no, just when he it was in the first team. I bet you Jamie can't remember. <laughs> First one apparently was thirty six when he made your debut. Ah right, yeah. Then you got nineteen. You replaced Steve Watson when he got sold, and then uh, you got number twenty two from uh, I think it was Gary Caldwell. I think had that before you. Could be wrong. I'll tell you a good one, yeah, Mark. Actually, Jamie, a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, it might be 
remember that when the lockdown first started and all these quizzes started to come out. He said, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, this was a Saturday night, I've had a few, and I'm um, sitting there watching the telly, and then the inboxes is with a. Oh, and help us, out, help us out with some of these. It was like, uh, I think I sent it to you actually, Mark, again, to get a couple. But it was like Newcastle players um, from, well, probably probably the 80s, mid 80s, or whatever. Um, and I went, well, Jamie, which, which ones you know? I've got circle ones that you haven't got. And th- three that you circled, you played with. And you played in the same team. Was that the picture one, what you sent me, mate, one night? Uh, so, hard ones actually, like, it had the likes of. Um, so before we wrap it up last because I've took loads of your time I really appreciate it uh, two, two things um, Jamie you mentioned obviously you you know, it wasn't all uh, singing and dancing. You, you did go through a tough time mentally, um, and it's mental health week. You're involved um, with mental health in some capacity, mate. Do you want to just explain what what, what role you've got? Yeah, so, so currently, uh, when I came out of football, and I, I got into uh, health and social care. Um, so what I do now is I'm, uh, I'm an area director, uh, an area director. It's a regional manager. Right. So as you'll see in the news with COVID nineteen, it's a revolution. Uh, residential homes and things like that. So I oversee, um, I oversee managers and services. But one of the things we do is we're UK based, but we work with around uh, well-being and around mental health as well. So we range of you know physical disability, mental health, uh, challenging behaviours, you know autism, uh, you know learning disabilities. So there's a range of, of, of needs, but you know with mental health in particular, it's. Uh, I didn't realise, and I know obviously it's, 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 you know, there's a lot talking about it uh, over the last year, two years, but, you know, I didn't realise when I got into this game that around how many people do actually have mental health, you know, and when I look back, when I mentioned it earlier, is that when I look back now, uh, you know, I, 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 I wasn't in a good place the last, uh, last few years at uh, Castle. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, I've, I've been through times, you know, of, of, of a late, you know, a few years ago, I, I did, I, I, I had it, I had it in. Um, I think, you know, who knows a bit about it, but, you know, I think it's around getting people around you, it's, you know, every year, you know, it's around talking, but I think, you know, because I, you know, when, when, you, when you're going through that, you don't realise because your brain's totally different, you're thinking different things, yeah. you know, I mean, and you, you can talk to people, but, you know, some of the things is, is, is around trust as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're you're an ex footballer, like you know, it's a common thing people say is like, "What you're going to be depressed about? Yeah. You've played for Newcastle, you've made this, you've got a car, you've got a house. You know, and, and it, it's not around that. So yeah, I think you know, if you want, you know, one of the things I've learned is everyone will have a have a some some point point in life. Do you know what I mean? I just think what well, you know, it's great that people talk. Um, I think we, we, with the company I work for, you know, we work, work heavily with the uh, local authorities with CCGs uh, and around mental health, do you know what I mean? So we're an advocate for it. Uh, as Owen mentioned, I think he's going to touch on a trophy around the ex-players. Uh, you know, you see a lot of ex-players come out of football and it's the, the, you know, what do you do next? Yeah. Sort of thing, do you know what I mean? And it's, it's not just around, it's, it's around routine and it's around, you know, the players are with them, it's like the family you're seeing day to day, the banter, you know, and then all of a sudden it stops. So, 
I think you, you know you're going to get more. more. I think it's good that people are talking. Um, but no matter what, I still think you, you know people do tarnish it or you know think you're weak. And I think that's something that you know we've, we've got to learn in life now. You know that, that that's not you're not weak. Uh, it's an illness. Mm-hmm. You know at some point in your life, everyone's going to get it. Without a doubt. Own. Um, yeah, so, you know, in, in terms of what James talked about there, I just look at my situation, I, I, you know, in terms of mental health and stuff like that, I think it's really important. And it's the, the, the career that James is in now, it's, it seems like he's given a little bit back to the, to the community and yeah. stuff like that, which I think, I think is fantastic. Of course, it's, it's his living, but, you know, it's like Jamie says, it's, if you go back to the early days of character building and stuff like that, I think that. You know what? What I what I learned is that you do learn a lot of transferable skills from a young age. that you can take into like a different occupational sort of career or life and stuff like that. So it's no surprise to me that you know the way that James character is and stuff like that. That he's in a in a profession now where it's like sort of helping people. Yeah. Which, which is great. I, ju- I just want to touch on. So my, my situation after um after I finished playing, it was I, I didn't play the game for two weeks after I yeah. over that injury that I that I had. What I was talking about before, Mark. Um, and the the PFA were fantastic for me. You know, in terms of I went back into education. Um, um, you know, they looked after us in terms of um, finance, education, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I've got nothing but praise for the for the PFA. They were fantastic for me when I when I finished. Um, more recently, there's a there's a guy called um, Paul Watson, who's a Scottish guy who, who played for Newcastle. Yes. About, I think maybe his early eighties, maybe mid eighties. I think he was around there at the same time as, as Gaza. Right. Um, possibly a little bit earlier. Right. And, um, he's been really instrumental in setting up uh, the former players group for Newcastle. So basically he's reached out through the club. And I know that, you know, in terms of the club, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the regime for the past sort of 13 years under, under Ashley's tenure. But one of the things that I've, I think that they have got right is how they have reached out to ex-players. Um, you know, it's every, I think it's every, I think it's twice a season, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, they put a, they put a day on where um, we'll go to the game, we'll get looked after corporately and all that type of stuff. You know, this is me, it was just a, a YTS. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm getting looked after at Newcastle, I'm sitting on tables with, with people who, who made first team appearances and stuff like that. But, you know, it's all about like being inclusive and stuff like that. They recognise that if you, you play for the club, you were on the books, you represented the club and all that type of stuff, you can share sort of stories and stuff like that. You know, some of the things that they picked up on is how the club can support you around mental health issues around any, any well any issues in general you know on a, there's, there's, a, there's a Facebook group that we're on like a messenger group and I know just recently obviously I'm not near names or anything like that but there's a lad who was really struggling um, and out of the blue he's sort of putting texts on saying that I'm feeling this way that way and all of a sudden everyone's reaching out to this lad and he, he felt he was in a much better place and stuff yeah. like that you know so it really holds value in terms of what they're doing that. I know Paul Watson's really instrumental in doing that I think there's a couple of others I've only sort of been involved well not so much involved but I've been part of that group over the maybe it's the last year and a half or something like that but I know that's been going before that but I just wanted to sort of plug that anyway because there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good work that the club are still doing I know mm-hmm. you know obviously here we are hopefully um, if the news is anything to, to go by that we're, we'll probably have new owners but let's be honest with you we haven't had a great deal to shout about from, from people upstairs but I think that's one of the good things that they, that they have done and they have got right Well j- j- just to summarise they're absolutely brilliant you know and it, it's it's great to hear this especially from you Jamie what you're giving back I mean by all means us a true faithful always lend one hand in trying to do you know fundraisers we do event nights where we get players players to come back and have a bit crack you know and, and, and judging by the, well you've given us nearly two hours now and I appreciate it both these lads and judging by the part that you've taught me I think it would be a good fit for something like that you know I think it would be a good entertaining night so that's something to consider we can, we can talk this through and um, as a CEO and drop me the information regarding Paul and anything you think we can help with mate by all means we'll uh, we'll push it out there you know um, yeah, I 
know, you mentioned there, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I've, I've, I've done charity, I still do charity work now, do you know what I mean? So I, 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 love, I like the talkings, I think there's some, there's some good stories there, do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, uh, I, I think there's some, some crackers to tell them. You know, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, if you, you want, just give us a call up. Brilliant just, stuff. Just, just on that, Mark, when, when, you, when you sort of put that out with Jamie there, um, and then you said, oh, I thought you were going to say, oh, I'm going to come along and clean his boots or something. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I mean, I, I think it's time you got the round of note, to be honest. We haven't seen you since Christmas, so it's your round, I think, mate. But uh, but there we go. Lads, honestly, it's been a brilliant... We could talk all night, lads. It's been absolutely fascinating, to be honest. Um, it's nice to talk to, to not just lads who like have played the game, but ultimately know your football as well, you know. There's times where you speak to people and the, you don't get stories. They keep, they keep it clean, they keep it sort of... They try and stay in character, shall we say. But honestly, Jamie, Jamie, I've never met you before, mate. Loved every single story, especially his foot and Santa Claus, man. Jesus, but uh, <laughs> go for it, yeah. David Barrel, X and a half. The last one, Man. <laughs> on that note lads absolutely fantastic um, stay on the line for a little bit afterwards I've stopped recording lads honestly it's been an absolute pleasure thanks very much for your time did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool I'm Kat founder of Ritual we're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry when I was pregnant I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust so I created my own ours is made traceable third party tested and clean label project certified Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.